This is the Eastside Liquor Halftime Podcast. Oh, intermission. No, it's halftime. Stop by 9390 Rogers Avenue for the best liquor, beer, and wine deals in the River Valley. Arkansas wins a national championship! Check out Eastside Liquor on Facebook for weekly specials. Say goodbye! Darren McFadden, 80 yards, touchdown! Morning, Bob. Happy crossover season. How busy are you these days? Yeah, I'm, I'm doing well. How are you guys? Well, I'm really good. I'm busy. I can barely keep myself uh, awake with all the work we're doing now. Crossover season, just like an old old hat to you, man. I mean, this is this is this is this is when rubber really meets the road for a college sports journalist. This is your time of the year. Well, yeah, it's a busy time. Obviously, you got football still going strong, and basketball started up. And I don't people people may or may not be in the cross country, but Arkansas has got the. Uh, and say South Regionals tomorrow. You got women's basketball and got baseball news today and signing day and soccer, NCAA soccer and volleyball still going. So it's a lot, a lot of stuff. See, and I just bring up base, uh, basically basketball and football and, and Bob points out all the other sports that he's got to write about too because it's all right there for you. Uh, basketball tomorrow, Bob. And uh, reading in your in uh, your piece in the Democrat Gazette today, uh, it's like, thank you very much, Presbyterian Blue Hose, for beating an SEC team in their own building uh, to start the season. Um, I guess I guess that's Muss's uh, pregame. Uh, I don't call it a speech because a speech is somebody standing there just talking to somebody. Muss does, like, uniforms and costumes and props and everything, so I'm not sure what to call it. Maybe a performance. Yeah, I was trying to figure out if he could get his hands on a on a uh, Presbyterian uniform or maybe some, you know, I saw blue hose. I thought, what is that? Is that a bird or something? But it's just basically blue socks. Um, so it's like the red socks or the white, you know, the, the reds were what the red stockings or the red legs originally Cincinnati yeah, reds. Sure. And so, but it just apparently it's something to do with blue hole, blue socks back in the twenties. But yeah, I just thought I was looking through some scores on, um, you know, looking up some stuff on Gardner Webb and in the Big South, and I saw Presbyterian, and I knew Presbyterian had beaten Vandy. I had not made the connection. I honestly, I hate to admit, I did not know Presbyterian was in the Big South, and Vandy had some players out. And you're like, what is Vandy doing losing a Presbyterian? Come on! And I thought, well, you know, and Eric talked about this the other night about how somebody's going to get beat. But here's a, the worst, at least projected to be the worst in the Big South beaten. You know, Vandy's not in the top twenty or anything, but they're a pretty solid program, and it looks like. They almost made the NCAA tournament last year. They had a bunch of good wins at home. So I figured, I mean, I don't know. I have absolutely no idea what Eric's pregame uh, thing will be. I'll call it a thing. But I certainly wouldn't be surprised if he incorporates Presbyterian being Vanderbilt into it. Bob, you, you know, they're all trying to build trust and, and trying to put some money back in the bank to kind of whittle down to be one of these top seven, top eight players. That being said, do you think Coach starts the same five? How do you think he'll, he'll ch- start changing up the rotation this week? Well, I think he's going to start the same five. I based that on these. That's why he said on his radio show Tuesday night. Um, but, you know, this is the time of the year that you sort of try different combos. I thought it was interesting if Chandler Lawson plays 33 minutes, I think it was, against Purdue. And then he played, I think, about eight minutes the other night. But, but you know, Jalen Graham, who's a guy I think they're counting on, if they weren't, I don't think he would be back here if, he, if they didn't want him back and he didn't want to be back. And he'd missed. Uh, the two exhibition games, the back spasms. He had a real nice about 15 minutes, eight boards, eight points. But, you know, Chandler barely played, but I still think he's going to be, be a key guy for him. But they got, you know, some more guys involved. They got, they fall some minutes. Um, and so, yeah, yeah, they played 13 guys in the first half, and so that'll never happen again. <laughs> you know, so we know he's, he likes the rotation of maybe seven to me seems a little bit small to talent. They have eight, maybe nine. Sometimes he says eight and a half, and you think, well, how does that work? Well, that means there's a guy, a nice guy there that may play more in some games or maybe he plays because there's foul trouble or something, but he likes to keep a pretty tight rotation. Um, and yeah, and right now it's like he said, guys are going to be playing their way in and playing their way out of that. And so, you know, these they don't want to be figuring out what they need to do against Duke or honestly when they're in the Bahamas, although that that's, you know, three games in three days, you're going to need to use your bench, you would hope, um, in that. But yeah, this is, a, this is a key time for a lot of guys. Maybe not you know, Devo Davis and Trevor Brazil and, and L. Ellis and some of these guys are already, you know, Mark and and it looks like Battle is back strong, you know, which is good. They had some guys injured in the summer that are healthy now. And so 
Um, but yeah, this is a key time for a lot of those guys try, trying to win rotation spots for sure. Really got to be patient, right? <clears throat> Just because you know that, it, it, and so much of it depends on the team that you're playing against. I know that's why Lawson wasn't out there as long, probably because there wasn't a guy who was seven foot four or seven footer. Uh, that you worry about, like they did with uh, with Zach Eady, but there are players like that that are going to be coming down, and uh, it's interesting too because when you look at the when you look at things, Trevin Brazil's not a five; he he's not a pure five. I'm not sure if I would put Lawson in that category either. But I think if it comes to defending um, against centers that are about Brazil's height mm-hmm. and maybe a little taller. Lawson might be the guy to do it, and Graham too. Like that's the thing, and I really wanted to see it against Purdue, but he had the back problem. Is 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 whether or not Graham can defend against somebody of his size in the lane? I think we already see Lawson can. Yeah, Lawson, of course, throw Makai Mitchell in there too. He also didn't play many minutes, um, but I think yeah, Eric, he's wanting to give Bay Falls some minutes. Well, he fouls a lot, laden blocker. I think Lane Blocker might have fouled out the other night. So he, he's a really talented young guy, but he needs to learn to play without fouling. But that's what these games are for, you know, to, to get these guys, you know, get their feet wet and get used to some things. And I think it's really good they've got a bunch of older guys up you know, lead these young guys as well. Obviously, the, the coaching staff's leading them. But, um, yeah, they've got um, – and you're right about Trev. Trev might be a three, honestly, a small forward. I, I, I hesitate to call him a small forward. Could he be a big small forward? Is that a term? Maybe we can he he is. He's like a. He's a four slash. He's a perimeter four. Like he 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 is. He, he's. He, but he's not really a, a small forward. Not. But he's a, a power forward. He's just a. He's a matchup nightmare. Is what he is. Yeah, that's why I think he's going to be a high draft pick. And honestly, if he was healthy last year, he probably would have, would already be on the NBA roster. Um, but I I think it's really good for him to be back here and keep him develop his game. So obviously good for the Razorbacks. But yeah, he's just such an interesting skill set because he he can knock down threes. Uh, he can run the floor like a gazelle. He, he, the way he runs the floor for a big man reminds me a lot of Daniel Gafford. He's not mm-hmm. quite as maybe strong inside as Gafford, but the way those two guys can run the floor, you know, he can block a shot and go on the other end and finish a break with a dunk. I mean, he just um, and he looks like he's really comfortable again, like he's not favoring his knee or anything. That that's good to see. And you know, he shoots free throws well. He just got so much upside. It's, just, it's such a good feeling. And I think Mizzou kind of saw him as an inside guy. And, and you know, Arkansas has really unleashed his potential, I think, a lot better, uh, honestly, than Missouri did. <laughs> Sorry to say that, but it's true as a Missouri grad. But, um, yeah, this team just has a lot of, you know, Matt Painter point about the backcourt, a lot of interchangeable parts. We could probably talk about the frontcourt, too. They just have a lot of versatility, and they, they give the coaching staff a lot, a lot of options. If you want to go big, go small, go kind of medium. You think about Eric's first team where, Adriel Bailey at six six was like, you know, their center. You know, they just didn't. They had a lot of real good perimeter players like Mason Jones and Isaiah Joe, but they just didn't have much inside. Now they obviously have the perimeter. They only got the inside and the outside, and that's you know, Eric's give him time to recruit, and he's going to put together a nice roster for sure. Yeah, I'm looking forward to see see how it comes together. Baba, the hog, the the the, the Razorback, the football hogs got him a victory. Got the first conference win last week, uh, and and I don't know. I think this Auburn game is going to be tougher than what what most people think. What what are your thoughts headed into this Auburn game? Yeah, I think it's going to be a real tough game. Um, I I thought that from the time the schedule came out because I think Hugh Freeze is a really good coach, and I know Auburn doesn't have as much talent as they usually do, and their quarterback situation was not ideal i'll put it that way but you know they won a couple of games now granted they beat uh, you know they they beat uh mississippi state at home which we know was some arguments i wasn't able to do but they've made this change now at coordinator and then they they put it on vandy pretty good on the road and again those are not two great teams and they don't have real good defenses but still it looks like auburn's figured some things out that peyton thorne the transfer quarterback from michigan state's throwing the ball well um I think he has five touchdown passes with one pick the last two games. You know, good accuracy. He runs the ball pretty well. He's got over 300 rushing yards. And, you know, people remember Robbie Ashford was their starter for much of last year. He's pretty much a running guy. They have, they'll have a package for him, although Thorne really can do do it all. And then, you know, uh, Hunter, their running back, has got, I think, close to 700 yards in eight games. He's a very dangerous runner. They're, they're averaging close to 200 rushing yards a game. Their defense is pretty salty. Got good special teams, you know. It's nine games now to Hugh Freeze, so I think the players have adjusted to him and, and the coaching staff and vice versa. So 
I think this will be a real tough game. I mean, real tough, but maybe tougher in Florida, which I never thought I'd say that. But And then you got to see how does Arkansas handle it. They handle those tough losses pretty well, kept playing hard. How are they going to handle a, honestly, a historic win for the program? You know, are they going to be focused? Or are they still going to have their heads in Gainesville? So I think this will be a real tough game. I expect it to be, you know, like a, like a two- or three-point game one way or the other. You know, they're handling Rocket carefully during practice just so that that knee doesn't swell up. <clears throat> We've only seen Rocket healthy from maybe the first game, and, and he didn't even play the full games. I don't think he was at 100% against Florida, though he certainly played well. Um, how much do you think this team needs Rocket Sanders to be available and at least close to what he was against Florida in order to make a bowl game? Yeah, I think that's real important because we know they have no margin for error. I guess sometimes teams can make it at five and seven, and depending on I don't know APR and different things. But I don't think Arby's or anybody wants to wants to count on that. So you know they have no margin for error. They, they've got to win tomorrow or for Saturday, and then they've got to beat FIU, and then they've got to beat Missouri. Um, and yet Rocket, I mean, we saw what a healthy Rocket did. I think it really helped open things up for KJ. Helped open some things up for the passing game. I mean, Rocket had some big runs, a big run in overtime to get him down to a, a 15 or whatever it was. And he had a couple good runs on on their last drive that got the field goal that sent it to OT. Um, he just looked real good. And now they don't have Ty Washington. We know they don't have Luke Haas. So we don't, we're not sure what they're going to get from the tight ends. Maybe Gums, who was a pretty productive guy at North Texas, we'll see if maybe he gets integrated in the passing game somewhat. But, yeah, I think it's real important to answer your question. I guess I'm doing, doing going the long way around there. Uh, but, yeah, I think it's real important that Rockets stay healthy and be productive. Do we have uh, – I saw what Phil, had, you, it's, uh, the, the rundown Phil has, and it has all the permanent opponents for the baseball. Do we know our permanent opponents for basketball and football uh, going forward? And, and what, do you, what are your thoughts? I want to get both of your guys' thoughts on, on Ole Miss and Missouri being the Razorbacks' permanent opponent in baseball. Well, I think it's good. It makes a lot of sense. It makes sense geographically, right? They're both about a five-hour drive. So if Arkansas fans want to go to those series on the road, they they can do it and vice versa. I don't know if Missouri baseball fans travel much, but hey, you know, girlfriends and parents and whatever can make it. So I think, and also, you know, Ole Miss and Arkansas, that's just a good rivalry going back to even before the SEC, when Arkansas got in the SEC. And Missouri, some, maybe that's some that's forced said, but I think that makes that makes sense. So I think geographically and competitively uh, for baseball makes a lot of sense. And I don't know what, you know, football, we really don't know what they're doing football wise beyond, uh, you know, next season and same for basketball. But certainly I think, you know, for Arkansas, you'd like to have Texas in the mix in, in any sport. And that obviously would, would have been good for baseball too, but I get, you know, Texas and A&M need to play in Oklahoma probably, but, um, you know, I think LSU, you know, Ole Miss, Missouri, teams like that, Texas, those those should be teams that Arkansas is playing a lot if possible. I think you have to look at this from, there's two perspectives to look at it from. There's the perspective of marquee matchup with baseball. Like, you're right, with football and basketball, they haven't announced anything. The football thing, you got to know how many games they're playing first, and right now that's still up in the air. Basketball, I think, is, is, is a lot easier to figure this out because uh, you play everybody. Uh, on an 18-game schedule. Baseball keeps it at 30. So you're going to miss a few teams on an annual basis. But, you know, so maybe maybe Missouri is not a marquee matchup, but I'll tell you what it might be, Bob. I mean, it's no offense to your alma mater, but it could very well be close to an annualized, guaranteed series win, and that's that's big <laughs> for the baseball program. Because truthfully, I mean, you look at the the teams that are lined up in the SEC – Missouri's the bottom of the barrel, man, so bring them. Well, they probably were trying to make sure Arkansas played a strong academic school. That's the way I look at it. Thanksgiving dinner will be memorable this year at the historic Arlington Resort Hotel and Spa in Hot Springs. Thursday, November 23rd from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. in the Venetian Dining Room, you'll have a salad bar, carving station, hot buffet items, and desserts featuring traditional and unique items. Over 12 dine for $58 per person, under 12 for $29, and under 6 eat free. Reservations required. Must have credit card to hold reservations. Call 501-623-7771 or log on at arlingtonhotel.com slash dining for reservations and complete menu items.
Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use our promo code BELIEVE. That's B L E A V. For your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Matt, you remember earlier in the show I told you that uh, the team that fired me in Akron, Ohio, <clears throat> when I was 19 as an intern. We'll let go, yeah. Well, <clears throat> uh, this wasn't the reason I got fired, but you don't want me in the customer service booth because there was one time somebody came up and I tried to charge them for customer service. Like, this isn't free here. I'm not sitting here just for my health. They're not paying me. That was a free internship. So they asked me where the ATM machine was. I was like, well, it's, it's a couple of steps fee. over here, and that'll be five bucks. That's right. Like, this, is, this, is, this is important information. If it means that much to you to get the money, then I deserve at least a little bit of a tip. Everybody's tipping now, right? You're, you're going to have a tip chart at the customer service booth now? I don't know why management tried to restructure. I don't know why they decided. Yeah, mm-hmm. That sounded like a good plan right there. Got another question for you. Am I in the wrong if I correct my daughter's grammar on social media? She's on TikTok. My, oh. She put she she incorrectly used um, there. You know there there there. She incorrectly used one of them. I wasn't the first person to point it out to her. One of her classmates said, "I looks like somebody failed English." So then I had to help correct. Is it okay if I do this, or is this a way to lose my kids? My mom's an English teacher, so she's been doing that to me since uh, she said she she always told me if the, if you can do it the right way, you know, use proper grammar when you can. And you better never I, let mom know that you used there improperly. Well, we'll be doing the show sometimes, and I might say something wrong, and she'll text me and say, that's not the, you know, she'll I'm on your me. side, hey, Paula J. That's right. I'm on your that's side. Right. I guess, I, I guess. So I'm on your side, Phil. Can I get I'm Paula saying. J yeah. on TikTok, too? She could correct my daughter for me. Has a little more weight when it comes from a former English teacher. That's right. That's right. A lot more weight. See if I can correct Eduardo the Sherpa here. Who already? Uh, he's taking my advice. He's turned his radio down when he calls up here. Eduardo, how you doing today? Thanks for having the radio down. Man, man, I'm doing great. I'm really fired up now. I texted you earlier this morning, sir. And what a great interview Coach Pittman gave this morning. All right, that's a great call, Eddie. What happened to him I'm here? I'm sorry, I lost connection with you there, but what a great interview he gave. Did you see SEC out of pocket? Well, Alyssa Lang and Takeo Spikes. I did not have that on this morning. I do like Takeo Spikes. I tell you what. Matt Jones. Just what Coach Pittman said, sir. Listen to what he said. Not only did we strike all in the swamp, but you know what he said when they were asking about the big win? He said we felt enthusiasm. We felt spirit again. And so, you know, how great is that? It goes to show you when you dig deep, good things can happen. And certainly, the team had nothing going for him. I mean, at a low point in uh, this football season. But suddenly, like a lightning bolt, they dug deep. And he was talking about passion and enthusiasm and spirit back in the program again. How great is that? And then you know what they asked him secondly. They said, Coach Pittman, how do you celebrate a big win? And I just love his answer. You know, he said he called Miss Pittman. He said, get me. You know what the man drinks? He said he drinks quart-sized Miller Lite. So give me a few bottles of that, and then give us a pizza, Miss Pittman. You know what I mean? And they sit down and enjoy, you know, Miller Lite. Eduardo, how do you celebrate getting to the top of your personal Mount Everest? What, what are you going to drink when you get there? Well, when I get there, I like a cold Michelob Lite, sir. But I oh. tell you what, we win Saturday Woo! I'm going to drink Coach Fitman's Miller Courtside. I'll drink the whole bottle and one swallow. Hey, you know what, what I mean? What happened to the, so old-fashioned, good old-fashioned Michelob? Like, they don't make that anymore. It's just Michelob Light well, or it's sir, Amber you know Bond, what I mean? or it's this, like a or, or it's Ultra, which is water with fizziness in it. What happened to the real thing? <laughs> I just hope that, you know, for the fans listening today, listen here. If the team can be enthusiastic again, if the team can show their spirit by celebrating a big win, uh, which we need, desperately needed in our program. 
surely we can come Saturday and show our wood pig suit, show our spirit, show we're behind them, and we're going to celebrate not only a big win Saturday, but woo, what a November, and we're going to run the table. I'm starting to feel it. And this, uh, you know, the team, how important is passion, how important is spirit, and how important is enthusiasm. So, fan base, come hungry, and let's feed the Auburn Tigers a big bowl of the recipe I call home Jubilee. Sounds great, Eduardo. Thank you so much for listening to our show. Feed them, Eddie. Feed them. Eduardo the Sherpa. Oh, he got a big bowl of, uh, of hog delight for him today. I miss old Michelob, though. Like the real Michelob. That's Remember what uh, that Jules Winfield bottle? Jules Winfield orders when he goes in there uh, in if Pulp Jules Fiction. Jules Winfield's ordering it. I could order it, That's what he too. gets. Yeah, he, that's, he gets that old-fashioned. That's the Michelob you're talking about. That's it. Michelob would help wash that kahuna burger down better than mm. a Sprite. It really here you're taking Mrs. Mia Wallace out on a date. Got nowhere else to go but to the phones now after that one. Charlie, you get to take... Yeah, Charlie's batting second after Eddie today. Hi, Charlie. How are you? I, you know what, Phil? I have embraced this. Being able to, to go after Eddie is like... I mean, I don't know any... You know, no one wants to do it, so somebody got to do it. I can hear so it in I'm your voice. It. I can hear how fired up you are. Like, this is... <laughs> this, this might be Charlie you know, a 7 out it, of 10. Well, if everybody had Eddie's passion, you know the little decibel meter that they do at home games? Yeah. Do you think we could break some records if everyone screamed as loud as Eddie? We need, I think game? we need Eddie's face on the decibel meter. <laughs> that is great. I didn't even think about that. That's a great idea. That's perfect. And, uh, you know, man, he just, he's awesome. But uh, I was wondering, you know, he was uh, – another thing Sam said after the game you know, that caught my eye, and it's true. In life, you know, you either, you know when you're in a when you're in a rut, you're either going to go, well, you're either going, you're going to fight like hell or you're going to quit. I mean, and it's true. I mean, when you think about anything in life, you're either going to keep fighting or you're going to quit. Yeah, and, right you know, I, I think that's an important message. And, uh, you know, they've been struggling this year and all of that. You guys brought up the whole Danino's thing. Matt, you know, Houston Nutt could have called <laughs> – I felt like he could have called any play for you guys, and you guys would have ran it to the best of y'all's abilities because y'all loved him. Y'all wanted to play for him. You know, you can be the greatest X's and O's guys in the in the world, but you know, if you can't teach that message to the kids, and you know they 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 buy into what you're preaching or teaching to them, and whatever it is, then they're not gonna. It's just not gonna happen. So, I mean, I feel like Houston could have called you know. I don't know. The run, y'all want a wristbone and fullback blast, and y'all would have. It may have not worked well, but y'all would have tried it because y'all loved him, and I think that's important. So, I just wanted to point that out there. Anyway, y'all have a good one. Appreciate you, Charlie. Good to hear from you today. Thank you. Um, I wonder. So he's talking about letting go of the rope. Like, you remember the rope started to get let go four years ago, right about the same time uh, in Chad Morris's last couple of games. You know, they'd fought against Kentucky. Came up close, but came up short. They'd fought the week before against A&M. Came up short in that one. Auburn and Alabama blew Arkansas out. And then after the Mississippi State loss, which was a 30-point defeat at home, then it was Western Kentucky. And by then, by then, Matt, there was no rope anymore. It was, it was pretty much over. And it was, part of it was also about belief. Because if you had a team that fought and scratched and clawed against a decent A&M team and a good Kentucky team and then gets blown out four in a row, the rope was gone. There was, it, the rope had been burned by then. So it was great to see that, you know, they, they didn't let go of the rope and they played their best game of the year against a team that also had a lot to play for in Florida. Yeah, absolutely. A, a lot of these guys this is the last last time they'll ever play uh, competitive ball, uh, and, and you got to take each each game as an opportunity. You, you go out there, and and I do like the fact that uh, that you know, coach did they, that he saw that if, if there was desire, lack of desire, lack of spirit, whatever it was, and made a change. And uh, it does tell you uh, feel how hard the the kids have been playing, though. I mean, it's a one score game here, it's a one score game there. We just weren't making enough plays. If it's attention to detail. If it's belief, if it's getting to the right play, the right matchup, whatever it was, we were close, but we weren't getting over that hump. And then Florida, which it was another game, Phil, with the ball kind of bounced our way and we got lucky at the end. Uh, but we made enough winning plays uh, last week and we're going to have to continue to do the same thing this week against uh, Auburn. 
Well, one thing that, that will be interesting to see what happens moving forward is how the tight end position and who's going to be out there. You may see a couple of guys we haven't seen yet this year. Tyrus, he has a dislocated shoulder, probably will involve some surgery, so he will be out. We're going to move Hunter Talley up. And we've got some opportunities with Easter and, and Lassiter. I just think in this short period of time, I think Hunter Talley knows the offense better than the other fellas do. And he's really looked good on the scout team as well. And so we'll move him up to be number four there. All right. So there are some names there that we haven't heard very much. Hunter Talley, he's a redshirt freshman from Siloam Springs. Madison uh, Maddox Lassiter is a true freshman from Warren. And, um, we, you know, Shamar Easter is, I mean, he's one of the more highly recruited uh, tight ends in the nation, but I didn't realize he played a lot at wide receiver in high school, so he's not quite ready in Sam's eyes to, uh, to get on the field and play tight end in college, not yet. But if you're going to get him some time, you know, and, and you still hold on to the red shirt because there are three games left, and you can Absolutely. play for it. Yeah, I wonder if the bowl situation will be the same as it was last year. Because so many players opt out, and it's going to happen again. I mean, you're going to get you're going to get a lot of players. Like a month from now, <clears throat> you realize what's going on. A month from now, you talking the about if Arkansas over. makes a bowl? What's that? You talking about if Arkansas? Makes I mean, everybody. I mean, any, oh, I mean yeah, across yeah, the country. Yeah, yeah, okay. you know, it's it, that's part of that's part of that's the crazy. Do you remember what it was like eleven months ago when the season ended? And the portal opened. There was a guy that set, set out of the first round of the playoff game and said, if y'all win, I'll come back for the championship game. Was it at Ohio State? He's, he came out and said that, and you're just thinking, what is going on? Well, it's that was the year that you realized it's like, all right, well, our heads are on a complete swivel now for the entire month of December. Because there's this, I guess it's a 45-day window to get into the transfer portal. And sometimes it feels like you lose half a team or some teams lose half a team. And then there's you know the other side of it, of the players that – uh, picture themselves going into the NFL draft and they're not going to play in the bowl game. It just, it was, it was a lot to keep up on. That's happening in a month. Sure is. Hey, sports fans, don't let plumbing issues throw you off your game. Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric is here to tackle those pesky drain blockages and ensure your water heater is always in MVP form. With Pascal's world-class service, you can count on a winning play every time. Whether it's a quick drain clear or a water heater touchdown, Pascal's got the expertise to keep your home running smoothly. Stay in the game and leave the plumbing to the pros. Schedule your service online anytime at gopascal.com. Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. Are you in need of an attorney? Hickey and Hull Law Partners is your firm. Hickey and Hull understand the importance of client communication, meeting with you, responding to emails, and returning calls. Hickey and Hull are attorneys you can trust to guide you through a divorce or a custody case, criminal charges, or even civil lawsuit. Ready to put their seven decades of experience to work for you and get the best results. Every case is important. Hickey and Hull Law Partners strive to give each client the time and attention it deserves. Visit them at KevinHickeyLaw.com. Hickey and Hull Law Partners. Things are about to get better. And now, back to the podcast. Rainy, dark, and getting cold. Going to be in the 30s later tonight. So our uh, nice little uh, couple of days in the 70s and 80s are over. Should be actually, it won't be wet for the football game on Saturday. I don't think you're going to have bad conditions at all. And i uh, got a big weekend of Arkansas athletics coming up starting tomorrow morning. I uh, have my, oh, man, Screaming Kids Day tomorrow, Matt. There's one thing. I mean, you, you, you don't mind loud crowds or anything like that. There's a different sound when it's Screaming Kids Day. They're trying to get over 10,000 to the game tomorrow. Now, I don't know what the situation is as far as what schools are coming from where, but I've been to, I mean, we used to do 10,000 kids at the Traveler game two or three times a year when we play at 10.30 in the morning or 11 in the morning, and, but that was outdoors. I mean, there's a very specific sound to that. And the other aspect of doing that at a baseball game, especially then when you didn't have a pitch timer, games were three, three and a half hours long. Kids aren't going to be there all day for that. They would leave after a couple of hours. So you had this like great crowd of kids who would scream and cheer louder for foul balls than they would for home runs. And then by the time he got to the seventh, eighth, ninth inning, I mean the good stuff of the game, the place was empty. Literally empty. Like hardly anybody there except for the players, the scouts, and uh, as Lee Elia once said, 
those who don't have jobs. That's what he said the Wrigley Field crowd was, was like back in the 70s or the early 80s when the Cubs uh, weren't any good and they didn't get a lot of people to their games. But when you do this inside Bud Walton Arena, you know what it's like in there. Matt, the place trap sound and echoes and echoes and echoes. Uh, it's a good thing I've got ear, I'll have headphones on for the game tomorrow. I might want to insert some earplugs in there as well because it is shrill. Well, those kids are going to love it. That that's for sure. Third graders, fifth graders, all the. We, you always remember your your field trips. Uh, I bet they've been looking forward to it, and and a lot of them. It's probably the only game they'll get to go to uh, all right. year. So so pretty pretty cool. Yeah. Do you remember the first time uh, the first time you went to see a Razorback football game? Does that Madre stand? Hill? Yeah. Uh, he's still running. Uh, I think it was fifty-five to thirteen or something. Uh, Madre Hill had like five or six touchdowns. Uh, we, we beat South Carolina like a drum. Yeah, I told you about the first Steeler game I went to, and that was uh, Lambert's last game. Yeah, well, I don't think it was his last game, but that was when he stubbed his toe, turf toe against the mm. Chiefs opening game, nineteen eighty-four. I'm pretty sure that was the first Steeler game I went to. I know the first baseball game I went to. I just don't remember it. It was, I was, I'm a January baby, so this would have been April of 77. So I would have been four months old. My parents, they were friends with folks at the flagship station that ran Pirates games. And so they, had, they were up in the, in the booths. They were like up in, in the TV booths that were, were empty for one of those games. There's a foul ball that screams through the booth. My father chases after the foul ball into the corridor. He reaches down at the same time that an older hand reaches down and gets to the ball before him. And it was, it was um, Richie Ashburn, who was a Hall of Fame center fielder for the Phillies, who was their TV broadcaster then. And when I mean, he realized that it was a fan that was reaching for the ball, he gave it to my father and signed the ball for me. And then years later, this would have been 1996 when I interned for the Pirates in the press box, and one of the things they had me do, this was the only way I got paid because it was a free internship, but if you did stats, if you ran stats for some of the broadcast crews, you'd get $50, $75 a game, and I did the Phillies broadcast for four games, which was Harry Callis and Richie Ashburn. How cool. And I I I, I must have been, so this is 96, so I was 19, so that means the Akron year I was 20. Uh, I got to tell him at 19 that story. I don't know, he didn't remember it or anything, but that's, that was kind of cool. Same press box, same booth, 19 years later, and I'd lost the ball by then. Right, yeah, the first baseball game. I was five, six, six years old, seven years old. Uh, it was Cubs, Cards it, at there at the Old Bush Stadium, and I uh, went with my, my grandpa and... I actually bought a pack of Cubs cards. You know, he's Cardinals fans, but I liked Mark Grace, Sean Dunson, Ryan Sandberg, Andre Dawson, you know, all those Cubs. You kind of, because where I grew up, WGN was going on. So I saw a lot of Cubs and Sox games and went out there. Vince Coleman stole home. Cards won one zero. I mean, that how a steal of home. That was the only run of the of the day. It was uh, it it was it was pretty cool. Uh, it's when uh, he he said Stan Musial best. I know it's yeah. I, who, who's the best baseball hitter? Is it Ted Williams? But he was he was given a case for Ted 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 Musial. In my mind, it's 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 Ted Williams. I mean Stan Musial. Let's go to the phones. We got Jack and Fort Smith here with us. Jack, appreciate your call. Thanks for holding. How are you? Oh, Phil, Matt, I'm I'm doing okay. Uh, long-time listener, first-time caller. I'd like to report a crime. I mean, I would like to report a serious, serious crime, and that's these permanent baseball opponents that they've let out today. I think mm-hmm. it was about two hours ago, right before the show started. They've got us playing Mizzou every year as a permanent opponent. These guys are not cracking 500 the past couple of years. They're not, they're not a great baseball program. When you have us in the top, you know, top epsilon of the SEC, playing Ole Miss makes perfect sense. It's awesome. Sparks fly every time we play them. It's always super competitive. But they're really missing an opportunity here to put us with Texas, maybe OU, something like that. We're, we're going to bring in a lot more TV viewers and grow the game of baseball. You know, you can hashtag that one, grow the game. Why in the world are they trying to force this Mizzou deal? You know, they did it for football. Fine, whatever. I love a chance to beat old Eli Dorkowitz if we can do it. You know, basketball, okay, fine, whatever. They're right here. But baseball, you know, the baseball rivalries are just different. 
you know, I, I just don't understand why they're trying to put us against Mizzou here. I guess it's a, you know, more of a win category for all the fans. We're going to mark that series down as a win. But, you know, give me your thoughts on this. Why in the world would they try to do this when you've got better programs out there in our area that are going to draw more viewers? So. Well, I think they've done it because of geography and, and because the other two sports that you brought up play them on an annual basis, too. And, and, and look, I mean, Texas has rivalries with A&M and Oklahoma, and that's, that's, you know, that's taken precedence in this case. Uh, LSU, Mississippi State, and A&M are going to be their, uh, their annual opponents. But look, I mean, there's another way to look at this. Aside from, are you, I mean, you're really not going to go to a game because it's Missouri? Or would you go to the game if it's LSU and not Missouri? I mean, I, I figure if you're, if, you're, if you're a baseball fan, you just like to go to a game, especially an, an SEC team on the weekends. Look, and I understand in the major leagues, maybe you'd go see your favorite team play the Yankees or the Braves uh, more than you would see them play against the Pirates or the Athletics or anything. But then there's the other aspect of it that you're going to beat those lesser teams on a more consistent basis. So, I mean, really, in terms of wins and losses, this is almost a goldmine for baseball. Uh, Missouri is 118 and 176 in the SEC. I mean, not, this, that's not the non-conference games. Those are the SEC games. Since they joined the league, they have 58 more losses in SEC games. They've never had a conference winning record. And they're not going to anytime soon. It's just it's it's a tough place to recruit to. The weather is 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 bad for baseball. The ballpark is easily the worst in the league by far. Um, nobody goes to watch the games uh, because they're not good. And and it's kind of like uh, I I see it as a like a self fulfilling prophecy of some like a feedback loop of some sort. I don't see them ever getting much better. Uh, and and Arkansas can get look. It's only three games, but you get it's like an annualized guaranteed series win. So And look, I like watching Arkansas play LSU. I love watching the Hogs play against Ole Miss and Mississippi State and A&M and Tennessee and all those schools. But I also know that those schools occasionally beat the Razorbacks, and Missouri does not, at least not very much. So uh, that's the way I'm looking at it. Um, you know, and, and the other aspect, too, Jack, is you know, the Razorbacks didn't make this schedule. They didn't choose Mizzou as an opponent. I don't think – I'm sure Dave Van Horn will talk about this sometime soon to the media – I'm sure he's pleased with it. Um, so I, I, I don't think it's a bad thing. I really don't. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I like a, the Arkansas OU more in baseball, but I get the, I get the being, being so close right there. It was either going to be Missouri or Oklahoma is what I'm saying. When you have Ole Miss, it's just which one were you going to go with? Yeah, I mean, the, the, there are the two ways to look at it. I mean, fans get more jazzed when it's the Razorbacks against LSU. When it's the Razorbacks against any team that's ranked on an annual basis, you just get a little more fired up for it. Missouri's never ranked in baseball and probably not going to be. And Ryan says Mizzou has some good pitching now and again. Yes, they do. But every year when you go into the baseball season, just before the SEC starts, it's like, all right, this is the year. Missouri and or Kentucky are finally they're going to have one of those years. And you know what? It doesn't happen. It hasn't happened. Hi, everybody. This is Chris George from Joshua's Fine Jewelry in beautiful downtown Russell. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Christmas gifts, weddings, heirloom family treasures. And at Joshua's Fine Jewelry, we only have one sale every year. And it's right now. Every single item in our store is value priced for Christmas. We do custom one-of-a-kind jewelry. If that's what you're looking for, come see us. You can get anything fixed for a Christmas gift. Selection, quality, service, and Christmas red tag prices. Now through Christmas at Joshua's Fine Jewelry in beautiful downtown Russell. It's football season at your neighborhood Buffalo Wild Wings. And with 64-inch TVs, beer, burgers, and, you know, wings, Buffalo Wild Wings is the best choice to watch the big game. So bring the gang and join us this football season at your local Buffalo Wild Wings in Bryant, Little Rock, Sherwood, Conway, Jonesboro, and Fort Smith. Buffalo Wild Wings, beer, wings, sports, and your home for any game. Roar! You're listening to the Eastside Liquor Halftime Podcast. Right now, Eastside Liquor has a truckload of eggnog, winter seasonal beers, stouts and liquors, rum chata, moonshake creams, and more. Don't forget about the hog bourbon decanters. Come by the drive-thru or walk inside to see Dave and his team at Eastside Liquor, 9390 in Fort Smith. Now, back to the podcast. Arkansas Athletics, touchdown radio, perfect game. And uh, Mr. Airline Miles, too. Brett, what's up? How you doing? 
Hey, guys. Good to talk to you. It's always a fun part of my week to talk a little ball with you, too. That's right. Yeah, I got to get your opinion on these um, on these permanent baseball opponents first because we just had Ryan, um, we had Ryan and Prairie Grove ask about it a moment ago. Um, Arkansas gets Ole Miss and Mizzou. Uh, you know, it's not a sexy matchup against Mizzou, but I, I don't really think it's a bad thing for the baseball program because Mizzou's just not very good on an annual basis. There would be uh, some wins involved in that rivalry if there is such a thing, I would think. But it does feel like Arkansas might be prisoner to the fact that it's hard to find a couple of teams to lock Missouri in every year because they really don't have the baseball tradition that other schools do, and they're kind of out there on their own little geographic outpost. But correct me if I'm wrong, Phil, doesn't uh, uh, LSU and Ole Miss, they're not rivals either, right? And Ole Miss really feels like they're a pretty good rival of of LSU baseball-wise, so they can't be thrilled either. Yeah, you're right about that. Yeah, Ole Miss got Mississippi State and the Razorbacks. LSU also got Mississippi State and A&M. But look, this is also part. This is a conversation you'll end up having during um, once once the whatever the SEC schedule looks like when it does come out. And if it's a seven and one uh, model, which I don't know, the more I the more I hear from coaches and read about it, I, I think that eight game model may may end up being the thing. I thought they'd go to nine, but some of these annual rivalries will go away. There's no doubt. I mean, they will in every sport, right? I mean, I've been going through the college football scheduling mottos, and and, in the Big Ten, I think you'll play every team two times in five years, and that's terrible. You're going to lose some games that were played on a regular basis. I think the Big 12 is going to be you play every opponent two times in four years. So it's only natural then baseball is going to be a victim of it. The problem is baseball rivalries are sometimes different than football rivalries, which is, I guess, only adding more complications to the issue. But you're right. We're going to see this at every league and every level because there's just too darn many teams and too few weekends. Before uh, before we get into a little little football, uh, I saw that were you on the call with the Arkansas basketball game uh, last week, and I want to get your thoughts on uh, Trevion Brazil and and how you think the Hogs look this year. Well, this has been fun to watch this this team over the last few weeks practice, and I don't get to sneak over there every day, Matt, but I will from time to time, and it just feels different than years past. And I don't want to be accused of, you know, drinking the Kool-Aid too early, but, I mean, there's experience. The main thing is they have shooters, and Trevin's a big part of that. I think Trevin would have been the best three-point shooter on that team last year in addition to his highlight dunks and whatnot. And, I mean, the accolades he's getting for being a potential lottery pick, he, he's earned it. He, he's got that type of ability. But the other pieces around him, Matt, are exciting because I think Muss's strategy is and, and and maybe i'm wrong but go out and get three of the same guy and, and if one guy's going through a shooting slump you got two more just like him and, you know you've got you've got so much depth you've got shot makers i really think it's going to be a fun team to watch this season i, I think it's kind of I, I kind of correlated to they went out and got a sam hartman and a bo Nix. they went and got some guards <laughs> that have have quarterbacks that have played and seen a lot of reps they're not necessarily your anthony black your your jordan wall i mean they're not necessarily going to go play in the nba i don't see these guys as as but but neither do i see bo Nix or sam hartman but at the college level man these these guards i, I mean they're they're really good I think that's a really good analogy and the way you broke that down because we saw three guys get drafted by Arkansas last year, but I think the kids coming in as transfers, I shouldn't say kids, they're grown adults, they're 22, 23-year-olds, they might be a little further along from a college basketball standpoint as far as production, even though they may not have the ceiling to be in the NBA. But as far as Mus is concerned, I know he loves to produce NBA talent, but darn it, he wants to win a Final Four. And I was a shoot around the other day, and the one thing he he mentioned when he called the team into their huddle before they went to their lunches, you've got to have a Final Four hunger. And he goes, this is, this is not easy to get there, but every day, every practice, every game has to be with a mindset, that's our goal. And, and there aren't many teams in the country, I don't believe, that can talk about getting to a Final Four now and make it a realistic part of what they want to practice and play for. What'd you make of the women's game the next night? Uh, you know, when I was doing my prep and reading up on ULM, like this is this is not the program that has annually lost twenty-two games over the last like five <laughs> years. They gave Mike's team everything that could handle and then some. And I was impressed by the way Arkansas played in that ball game, especially man. I think Talia Scott. We're if you haven't had a chance, and I've only watched her in one game. We got her for four years, probably. Hopefully, four years. She's good. I can see her setting records at this school. What do you think? 
she'll be the best that ever played here. And, and I don't have the context of those that played before her 15 or 20 years ago, but I sat down with her a couple of weeks ago and I texted my neighbors and I said, I feel like I'm talking to a 10 year WNBA vet. And he goes, there, there's a reason for that. And I, I saw coach neighbors coming out of the arena the other night after that game fell. And I said, Hey, it's going to be real hard to downplay number zero. if She keeps doing that. And he goes, I don't think there's any need to downplay it. And I, and I said, good, because we're not going to, because I mean, this is a young lady that went to a Steph Curry camp in August. And guess who won the three-point competition? With all the boys and all the girls, it was her. <laughs> she's taking notes, and she's trying to figure out how to be you know, the best. She's watching Caitlin Clark. She's watching Agumbawale in the WNBA. And there's a reason. I mean, her goal is to be a, a superstar, and I think she's well on her way. Brett, we got a lot of big games in the SEC, uh, but but first I want to get you get your thoughts. Now, everybody we've talked to is not giving uh, Penn State a chance. Give me give me a way Penn State could beat Michigan. Now you've seen both these teams in person this year, right? I have, and it's funny. I checked the weather this morning just to see if maybe Penn State was going to get some rain or whatnot. It seems to rain every time I'm there. It's supposed to be 45 and clear. I bet they haven't mowed the grass at Beaver Stadium in two weeks. They want to get that turf team into a little slog of a of a game. Um, the one thing about James Franklin, we know he hasn't won the big game. I think he's got talent, Matt, and I think they can cause some problems for Michigan running the football. What I don't know is can they can they stop J.J. McCarthy? And it, I think this game's going to come down to J.J. because this is his chance. We haven't locked in on the Heisman favorite yet. He would seem to be in the top three. Can he go out there and be really impressive on the road, push his team way up in the college football playoff rankings because they haven't played anybody yet, and kind of make a statement? I don't think we'll see a wild high-scoring game. I think these defenses are too good. But uh, it, it's it's hard for me to get off the Michigan bandwagon yet. I mean, they've given up, I think, less than seven points a game, and they haven't played anybody. But the one thing they've done this year is – they played their defensive linemen 25 snaps a game, 26. I mean, they have, they have done their best to be ready and healthy at this time of the year when the schedule's backloaded, and now it's up to them to see if they can uh, take this home and, and get this win and then, of course, beat Ohio State. All right, so you had Bedlam last weekend. <clears throat> that had, I mean, that'd be fun no matter what. The last Bedlam, all the stuff that went back and forth, and then that game the way that it was. You, you've called a lot of really memorable games. Where would you put last week? Uh, Oklahoma State, Oklahoma. It's really high. We've been on a roll lately. I, I thought the game a couple of weeks ago with Cal and USC was the most fun I've ever had at 50-49 with all the bizarre and unique situations. This was just fun because what a glorious day. 70 degrees sunshine. I think it was the hardest ticket my partner said he's tried to get in 20-some years of doing this as far as buying tickets through the schools or on a secondary site. And, and, and it, you know, it had a feel of something special. And in part, these, these coaches did a great job kind of downplaying the rivalry going away. But the 60,000 fans in that stadium, that was why they were there. And, and to watch Oklahoma State pull it out, they went for it twice on fourth downs and, and easily makeable field goal range didn't get it. There were some turnovers, and yet still the Cowboys found a way to win. They stormed the field, and they had a grand old time. So the spectacle of it for me was – was a lot of fun to be a part of. And then the game was pretty darn good, too. And what, what a way to end a rivalry for Oklahoma State. It was 91-19-7 and in favor of the Sooners before that win. But they'll savor that 20th win for a long time. Wow, 91 and 20. Yeah, that, that's that's wild. Our, Brad, Arkansas was able to get a get a conference win. Uh, the the ball kind of bounced our way. I mean, it did. We made enough winning plays to, to go down there and beat Florida. I think this Auburn team's going to be a little more disciplined than, than that Florida team. Um, but we got Rocket Sanders back. Uh, if, if he's what what are your odds on Arkansas being able to to get a little win streak going on? It does seem like we kind of go week to week and we react on this week what we saw last week, and, and good for the Hogs. I mean, I know Florida missed a field goal and they missed an extra point. I was watching Kansas State and Texas. Kansas State missed a field goal, missed an extra point, losing overtime. It was the same philosophy for Florida, but Arkansas's offense just looked rejuvenated and, and better, and I'm hoping they can carry this over. That game against Missouri at the end of the year is going to be a tough one, but it would be nice to at least have the possibility of bold eligibility if they can win this weekend, the one thing that's different about Auburn the last two weeks is that they've thrown the ball better. They have not been able to throw the ball at all for a bulk of the season with Peyton Thorne, 
pretty good running the football. They don't seem to make mistakes. You're right. They've they found ways to win some games. Their loss against Georgia was not bad. They've had a couple of close losses. I think maybe a seven or eight point loss to Ole Miss. So they've hung in there against good teams. They beat the teams they probably should win. They'll get to bold eligibility next week against New Mexico State or some team if they don't win this one. But uh, it, it does probably look like a little better matchup today than it would have two weeks ago, and in part because of what Arkansas did offensively with KJ and his crew and Rocket Sanders in Gainesville. Well, you got a good one this weekend in Fort Worth with Texas um, at Texas uh, at TCU. Now, I say a good one. <clears throat> maybe if it would have been last year, TCU really struggling right now and really struggling to score in the Kendall Bryles offense. And I know they've had injuries at quarterback, but they've dropped four or five. Wouldn't it be something? they got Texas, Baylor, and Oklahoma there. They need two wins to make a bowl game. Wouldn't it be something if the national runner-up doesn't even make a bowl game the next year, which I think is a legitimate possibility. And Texas gets yours back this weekend too, Brett. Yeah, that's the, that's probably the, the storyline as far as Texas. Can they withstand the chaos that has engulfed this Big 12 for a bulk of the year? They are really close to just playing themselves out of the college football play if, if they haven't already. Another loss for Texas would, would certainly, I think, do that for the entire conference. Crazy things happen in November, and probably on paper this hasn't been our strongest matchup we've had. But I'm just curious if TCU can play one good game. Last year they won all the close games. This year, they're losing all the close games. In past years, Texas has really not done well, and those games decided by four to seven points. They changed that this year, with that exception of the crazy game against Oklahoma and the Cotton Bowl. I was hoping I might even get to see a little Arch Manning if maybe Ewers wasn't quite ready to get back or not, but maybe we'll have a Ewers and a Chandler-Morris matchup of some sort if these guys can get healthy. But... uh I'm always curious to see the Longhorns because I feel like it's a little better team than they've had in years past. But my goodness, this Big 12 has uh, just taken each other apart with some wild games and and uh, and a lot of drama. There's two uh, two nine and zero teams, Brett, that are that are hosting some some other ranked teams. You got Georgia ho- hosting Mississippi, and you you have Washington ho- hosting Utah. Which one of those has the better chance of uh, of getting an upset in 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 unseating one of these undefeated teams? Well, that's a great question. I, I, I would probably, at first blush, talk about that Pac-12 matchup, but I just feel like Utah's struggled a bit, and, and Washington seems to be back on track after a couple of weeks where they were lackluster. I know the odds makers don't feel like Ole Miss has much of a shot against Georgia. I just feel like maybe Georgia is going to have one game where they stumble, um, and, and they've had enough talent to overcome some lackluster performances of their own. But that's a really good question. I don't know if I have a great answer for you. I, I got to feel like maybe Old Miss, if they have one game in it, this this could be the one where they could cause some problems and see if they could knock down Georgia. But uh, Washington seems to at least be on that path towards playing Oregon again for maybe one of the four berths uh, in early December. You drive into Fort Worth, right? <clears throat> Please tell me you're driving. <laughs> I am not. I'm on a 6 a.m. flight Saturday. I have two basketball games Friday, okay. uh, Phil. Not one, but two. The women's in the morning and the men's game at night. You ready for Screaming Kids Day, Brett? Have you, done, you did baseball minor league. You did some of those in baseball, right? Yeah, but our people seem to be taking it to another level, don't they? I mean, we could have like nine or 10,000 kids there at 9 a.m. and 9.30 just going at the, at the top of their lungs for two hours. You're listening to the Eastside Liquor Halftime Podcast. Check out the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast at hitthatline.com. This podcast has been presented by Bet Online. This podcast is an exclusive property of Pearson Broadcasting. It may not be copied, reproduced, modified, published, uploaded, reposted, transmitted, or distributed in any way without Pearson Broadcasting's prior written consent. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.